but thank you all for coming. Great uh, to have you all here. Um, it is well with my soul, except maybe on that second verse that we don't do very much. <laughs> but one thing I did pick up on that hymn, on the, that the trump will resound. How many, how many know what Friday is? Anybody know what Friday is? Two days before Sunday. Yes, it is. You're right, Lou. It's also Yom Teruah, the Jewish feast of, or day of trumpets, which uh, an interesting uh, holiday. There's not really much said about it in the Bible. John Miles, when he was here before he left, uh, had gone through uh, five of the seven, I believe, holidays. That was the last one he, he did. And there's some speculation in evangelical circles that the rapture is going to take place on Yom Teruah. Well, they may be right, they may be wrong. It's not worth agonizing over. Uh, if it does happen, as John told me, he'd said it would be a great sign for the nation of Israel to have the rapture of the Christian church, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, come for his church on their holiday feast or day of Trump, trumpets. So anyway, interesting, it's Friday for those of you that are interested. Um, again, let's uh, prepare our hearts to study God's Word as we are told in the Scriptures to confess our sins if we want to have a relationship with God, if we want to have the ministry of the Holy Spirit working within us. We can't let sin be that barrier between us and God, so... I'll give you a few moments for silent prayer to confess any known sins you have. In first, as according to 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, not just those sins that we remember. So let's do that. I'll give you a few moments, and then I will open in prayer. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you again for coming, allowing us to come here this evening to worship you through the study of your word, to sing praises to your name. Father, help us to uh, concentrate on, on the teaching tonight so that we can better apply it in our lives in situations uh, as we are seeking uh, to, uh, to love one another much more effectively in, in a stronger bond between each one of us here in our church and then glorify you, Father, through that to the community around us. Help us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so we are continuing our look at the use of the All right, wait a minute. Hang on. Technical difficulties. All right. The use of the Greek pronoun alelon in Tonight we're going to be in Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. We completed uh, our look of the occurrences of this preposition in Romans, Corinthians, and Galatians. So, all right, so we've been looking at this. We're going to get, this will be the last, uh, or next to last, I believe, that we are looking at the uh, uses by, by the Apostle Paul before we move on to Peter, John, 
and the writer of Hebrews. So why this study? Again, we need to demonstrate love constantly, consistently to each other. Like the Good Samaritan in Luke 10. We all know the story that the, uh, the priest and the Levite went the other way. It was the Samaritan who demonstrated love to the injured man on the road from Jerusalem. So that needs to be our focus. And we have, as I've pointed out, we have a summary verse for this study. It's John 15, 12, and part of the Upper Room Discourse, where Jesus said, This is my commandment, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. And then he goes on to, in verse 13, to uh, explain what that love is and how, how great your love is needed. It says, Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. Now that is love for the other person. And how do we get that love? How are we able to love somebody? Well, we, we see in Philippians 4.13, where G, uh, the Apostle Paul wrote for us, that I can do all things through him, Christ, who strengthens me. So there's no excuse not to love because we are empowered and able to do it because Christ in us, <clears throat> excuse me, in us, gives us the power to do it. All right, so on Sunday, I kind of correlated all the uh, lessons we learned from the use of a lay loan, one another, uh, in Romans, Corinthians, and Galatians. And these were the, uh, just in review, in case you weren't here Sunday, uh, some of the lessons that we want to learn about what God expects from us as members of the church. Be proactive towards other believers was number one. And it was, I believe, 56 occurrences in those uh, books, Romans, Corinthians, and Galatians. So be proactive. These were the specific references of offering encouragement, building others up, serving, and bearing burdens. Second thing we learned, what not to do, what not to do. And for that, we learn not to give in to your lusts, Romans 127. Not to judge others, Romans 14, 13. To refuse to admonish another believer when they need correction, and that can be tough, Romans 15, 14. Not to deprive one another. If you have the op option and the, and the ability, you should be blessing that other person as they have need, not depriving them. And uh, hurt one another. We don't want to hurt others. That's Galatians 5.15. And we certainly don't want to provoke and envy others. Galatians 5.26. Also, number three, we want to strive for unity. I mean, that's what a, any organization needs to be unified if they're going to achieve their goals. And for us, the goal is to make disciples. And if we're uh, provoking and envying, for instance, we're not going to be unified and get the job done. God has a mission for us, and one of those things is to strive for unity. How do we do that? We do that for the because we're in the body of Christ. We want to strive for unity in our thoughts. We don't want to have 
godly thoughts, sinful thoughts. We want to have thoughts that are unified with each other, that focus on God and his, his uh, righteousness. In our minds, and that's Romans 15, 5, we want to accept one another, and that's not always easy. We are all unique. We are all different. We all have personalities, and sometimes they can clash. But we have to be accepting of one another. And as a body here at Preston City Bible Church, I'm encouraging each and every one, think that way, have that thinking. And then have concern for others. Not just, hi, how you doing, but what's wrong in your life? What's going on? What's troubling you? Where do you have needs? Finding out those things is showing concern. And then you can address those concerns. And if they're too big for you, well, get more involved. Get it, take it to the deacons. You know, there is a, a hierarchy we can utilize to uh, take care of the concerns we have as a church for one another. All right, the fourth thing that we learned from those passages in those books was we need to demonstrate love. We can't just say, I love you, and then walk away. I think that's, James says something very similar to that. But we need to demonstrate our love to one another by being loving, Romans 12, 10, remembering the debt. What's the debt? The debt is to love. That's the only debt we should have outstanding, to love one another, Romans 13, 8. And then also to wait for others. Sometimes it's, it's necessary to have patience in when you are interacting with others. Wait for them to finish their sentence is an easy one, not to cut people off, but also to wait for others before you do what you want to do. 1 Corinthians 11.33. All right, we've got a couple more here before we get into tonight's lesson. But also we want to, we want to be happy to see other believers. This is what we learned through three verses. We learned of uh, the so-called holy kiss. And don't say it, Lou. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, it's, it's mentioned three times that we've covered here. There's still a couple more times it's repeated. So what we want to do is we want to greet one another. We want to be happy to see one another. And we want to uh, continue that just beyond just the initial interaction, but all the time. We want to be happy to be with other believers because when you think about it, outside is the world. They don't love you necessarily. Not the way you'll get the love here. So be happy to see other believers. And then finally, we went through, we saw that our thoughts matter to God. And if you think they don't, well, I think you're in for a rude awakening. But our conscience always needs to be calibrated because we live in a world that is sinful, that is opposed to God. It's ruled by our, our adversary, Satan, who is always trying to, uh, to demean us and defeat us. And so we need calibrating. There's so many distractions. And we are, are, are being taught and uh, guided away from God, not towards God. And then our spirit and our flesh are always in conflict this side of the resurrection. So always have the proper thoughts. The, it comes down to keeping your eyes focused on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Once we look away from him, as Peter did walking on the water, what happened? He began to sink. And that's going to happen to us. We'll sink. 
if we don't keep our eyes focused on our Lord and Savior. That's Galatians 5.17. Okay, so we're going to start tonight in Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2, if you want to follow along. Uh, That's our review. So we're going to start here. And Ephesians 4.2. Get my Bible up here for later. We read, With all humility and gentleness, with patience, put up with one another in love. Now, I kind of translated this <laughs> pretty crude and rough, but I, I wanted to like emphasize uh, and challenge everyone with this. Putting up with one another. It's, it's, the, it's the Greek word... Uh, I'll try to get this right, a nekobai. And it's a, a perfect middle passive participle, plural, nominative, masculine. And it means to endure, bear with, or put up with. And I chose the last one because I, I, I wanted to get your attention because sometimes things in life can be very challenging and people can be very challenging as well. So the idea here is of enduring something pleasant or unpleasant, I should say, or difficult, whether for yourself or for someone else. That's what we want to do for one another. Now, many of you may not know that my wife and I have, have chickens. We've had chickens for a number of years. And when we first decided to get them, I was like, okay, I'm going to work. You can take care of the chickens to my wife. And she did that. And something I didn't know but learned very quickly was in the first year was that their their residence needs to be cleaned out occasionally because the the valuable fertilizer uh, continues to accumulate and needs to be occasionally cleaned and so uh, she did it once I, I I wasn't really unaware of this but when I found out what it was what it entailed it was like I don't want you doing that. I'll, I'll do it. And, and it's not fun. It's not pleasant. I don't jump it with joy to do that. But it needs to be done. And it's something you put up with when you are thinking of the other person who would have to do that job uh, if you don't do it. Somebody has to do it because chickens can get sick and other things. So, but that's, that's just one thing in my life. What I wanted to really share with you about was, hang on a second, get this here, my notes. Think about what Jesus did for us. He didn't want to have to go to the cross. In fact, he said, Lord, or Father, take this cup from me. But he did that because he loves us. He went to that cross and, and paid the penalty for our sins. That's way more, and, and it, you can't even compare it with what I just, the example I just gave. This is so much more horrible, more devastating, uh, what he did for us than anything we could ever do. And so in case you haven't really uh, heard that, heard about that for a while, let's turn in our Bibles to Mark chapter 15. Because I want to read a little bit of what Jesus went through for us. Mark chapter 15, and verse 15. 
where it says, wishing to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas for them. And after having Jesus scourged, so he was scourged, he handed him over to be crucified. Now, you may not be familiar with what Roman scourging was. It was very, it was torture. But continuing on, the soldiers took him away to the palace, that is the praetorium, and they called together the whole Roman cohort. So it wasn't just a few that were going to torment our Savior that day, but it was the whole cohort, which I believe is a hundred, something like that, a hundred men. They dressed him up in purple, and after twisting a crown of thorns, they put it on him. So they put this crown of thorns on his head, and if you've ever ran through a, a rose bush or other similar plants, that can be very painful and leave you pretty bloody. So they put the crown of thorns on him, and they began to acclaim him, Hail, King of the Jews. They kept beating his head with a reed and spitting on him and kneeling and bowing before him. And after they had mocked him, they took the purple robe off him and put his own garments on him, and they led him out to crucify him. Uh, Verse 33. And when the sixth hour came, darkness fell over the whole land until the ninth hour. This is when our sins were being poured out on him. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is translated, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of the bystanders heard it, they began saying, Behold, he's calling Elijah. Someone ran and filled the sponge with sour wine, put it on a reed, and gave, it, gave him a drink, saying, Let us see whether Elijah comes to take him down. And Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. So after enduring all that physical torture, he had to endure the sins of mankind being poured out on him. He put up with that for us. He put up for you and for me. What a Savior we have. So if that's what he did for us and we are his disciples, how can we not put up with one another? I challenge each one of you. Think about that. How can you not put up with one another after all that he's done for us? All right, let's... Oops. All right. Next verse, Ephesians 4.25. And here we read, Therefore, laying aside a falsehood, speak truth, each one with his neighbor, because we are members of one another. Again, this is the Greek uh, word translated speak is laleo. It's a present active imperative, so it's a command. We're being commanded here, second person plural. And it means to speak, say, talk, tell. And it's in, it's in uh, all caps because that's a quote from the Old Testament. It's uh, found in Zechariah eight sixteen. But I also wanted to turn, if you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm 101. And I want to read verse 7. Psalm 101, 7. Because that goes along with with this uh, passage here. Where he says, He who practices deceit shall not dwell within my house. He who speaks falsehood shall not maintain his position before me. So our words matter. Not just our thoughts, but our words also. 
Now, that was a psalm of David, and we all know what David's life was like. But in, in, in our, what we want to find out is that we are members of one another. And pay attention to that. We are. Not we were, and now we're not, so we don't have to obey this. But not we were, or not we will be, so I don't have to do it until we are. No, we are right now. We are right now all members together. Why? Because when we've been united in Christ because of the Holy Spirit poured out within each one of us, baptized in the Holy Spirit. So that's a, a very important uh, truth to realize that we are all, as believers, members of one another. And so we should be loving one another. Next up, we have Ephesians 4.32. And this time we read, Be to one another kind, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as also God in Christ has forgiven you. Sometimes we don't think about that. We were rotten when we were saved. We weren't this uh, bundle of joy. We were rotten sinners saved by grace. And it is God's grace. Now, it's kind of an interesting construction here in the Greek where you see the verb fronted for emphasis. And it is a uh, present, middle, or passive imperative. Again, it's a command to be this. So he, he starts out with the verb, the command, and then prep, the prepositional phrase, to one another. And then he goes on to list three things that we're supposed to demonstrate. We are supposed to be kind. We're supposed to be tender-hearted, And we are supposed to be forgiving each other. Why? Because God forgave us. God forgave us. All of our sins. He didn't just save us or forgive part these sins. No, he forgave all our sins. And so if, if he is forgiving us, we should also be forgiving one another. And like I said, the, the, the word uh, ginomai is, is the verb be, and it, it's, uh, like I said, passive imperative, or middle, middle or passive. Uh, but it mean, means to be made, born, created, or produced. So you're not automatically this, you become this. And that's, that's the challenge, to be kind, be tenderhearted, and be forgiving each other. And we have the good reason, because God forgave us. That's why we should be forgiving everyone else. All right, that's Ephesians 4.32. And now we have the last appearance of Alelone in the book of Ephesians. It's found in 5.21. And it's very straightforward, very simple. Be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Be subject to one another. Now this, this can be really challenging for some of us. To be subject to anyone is not how we're raised. We're raised to be strong, independent, self-sustaining. And so to subject yourself to someone else, well, if you learn authority early on in life, it will help you uh, in all your relationships because we all are... Uh, we all have parents. We all have employers. Most, most of us have employers. And we also have a Father in heaven. So we need to be 
subject to one another. We need to learn that. But in the church here, for, for each one of us, uh, how can we better relate to one another? Well, if we are deferring to each other, for the most part, we need leaders at times, yes, but to be subject to one another in the fear of Christ, not lording it over anyone else. That's, that's, our, that's our mission. So I think of an Old Testament example of this uh, when I think of uh, Daniel chapter, chapter 4, where Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, also known as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, uh, they subjected themselves to Nebuchadnezzar up to a certain point. But it's interesting that once his Nebuchadnezzar's commands went beyond or, or used, tried to usurp uh, the Lord's authority, that's when they said, no, no, we're not going to be subject to you any longer if that's what your command is. No, we're going to serve God. We're going to obey God. We're not going to be subject to you. And so that's, that's an example that uh, we have in the Old Testament. They were in subjection to Nebuchadnezzar to a degree. And that's when judgment and uh, discernment come in in our lives to know where, where that boundary is. That if somebody crosses, you got to say, nope, that's it. I'm going to stay faithful to Jesus and to God. All right, so that, that does Ephesians for us. What a great uh, book that is. And uh, we've, we've learned a lot recently from Ephesians. All right, moving on. Now we have Philippians book of Philippians, and for those of you who aren't aware, Philippians is the great passage where chapter 2, where it talks about the kenosis, which is the emptying of Christ. But here in, in, we see the, the, uh, the word alelon appears in, in verse 3. So you read, do nothing from selfish do nothing from selfishness or from empty conceit, but with all humility regard one another as greater than yourself. And what we want to learn here is Christ is our example. Christ is our example. In fact, why don't we turn to Philippians chapter 2. It's always good to go through these important passages of what Jesus did in order to be uh, become one of us. He says, therefore, verse 1, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind. Again, unity that we have already seen last time. Maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. What is that purpose? To preach the gospel, to make disciples. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. That's the NASB translation. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, verse 4, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. 
being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason, also, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those in, who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every, that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So Jesus, in his humility, went, became a man, was born of the virgin, lived his life sinless, died on the cross, humbling himself and being obedient to the Father's plan, and became our Savior, paying the penalty for our sins. So that should be our attitude, as, as Paul writes, do nothing from selfishness, and we can be selfish. We can all agree that we have needs and we want to fulfill them. But regard one another as greater than yourself. Now, I've been saying that in the body of Christ, as believers, we're all equal. There's no man or male or female, slave or free. You know, we're all one in Christ. But if you have this attitude that others are greater than yourself, you are going to be more apt to display and to show humility and, and be humble than you would normally, uh, than you normally would. So that's why it's saying that regard one another. And that Greek word regard, it's hegaomai, hegaomai, a present, middle, or passive participle. It's not an, not an imperative, it's a participle. Meaning to lead, go before, and also to think, consider, or regard. So it's not just leading by example, it's also regarding or thinking to be humble, to be full of humility, displaying humility. Now, the word was translated as greater, that's the Greek word echo. That's also a participle. And that means to rise above, surpass, control, or restrain. Greatest example of this in the Old Testament is Moses. Moses was the most humble man, God says. And God exalted him above the other people, the other Jews. But when you read Moses' account of his life, he never lorded it over his position over the nation. He is very, very humble and many times interceded for them when they deserve God's judgment. In the New Testament, it's easy. Jesus is our example of this in the New Testament. So we read Philippians chapter 2, the the part of the kenosis. But this is how we should be interacting with each other uh, as believers in Christ. It's a great uh, blessing to have these things written down for us where we can turn to them whenever we're we're doubting or, or have questions. We can go to the Bible read the scriptures, and get re-energized. And also pray for the Spirit to guide you and to empower you to meet those challenges as you have them, as they come up. God wants us to be displaying and and utilizing our spiritual gifts. So my advice is to use them when you have need and and when when it's going to glorify God. All right, Philippians chapter 2. That's it. That's the only occurrence of the word in, in the book of Philippians. Uh, so let's move on. Colossians, there's several in Colossians. And if you turn to Colossians 3.9, it 
Here we read, Do not lie to one another. We already saw speak the truth, you know, back, back in Ephesians, but now it's do not lie to one another, having laid aside the old man with its evil practices. And so uh, that's what you have to remember as, as, as once you're saved, you're a new creature in Christ. You're born again. You're the old man. You've put it off. And he uses the example here in this passage of, of putting on or taking off a garment. And that's what he's, what he's signifying here. Laid aside the old man with its evil practices. We were all sinners. And we all had lusts and passions that generally probably did not align with God's. So when, now that you're a believer, lying is really one of those things we should not be doing because God is concerned with what we say, what we think, and what we do. So do not lie to one another, having laid aside the old man with its, with its evil practices. So this is the Greek word, laid aside is the Greek word apectumai. Apec, I'll get it right. Apekduomai. Apekduomai, that's it. But this is an aorist middle participle. It's not a, again, it's not a, a, uh, a command. It's a participle, but it does have the essence of a command uh, in it. But it means to take off, strip off, disrobe, disarm. And in the aorist tense, it means it's a, it's a completed action. You should have already done this. Not, you're not being told to do it now or keep doing it, but you should have done this already, laid aside the old man with its evil practices. So Paul uses that metaphor of, of unclothing oneself, and, 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 but we have to also clothe ourselves. So we're not going to be naked. We're going to be clothing ourselves. So turn to Romans thirteen fourteen to see what we're supposed to clothe ourselves with. Romans thirteen fourteen. He, re, he writes to the church at Rome, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lust. So we're supposed to put on Christ lay, after we've laid off or laid aside the old man that we were. We're no longer that person. We're a new creature in Christ. Now, you may recall in the, in the Gospels, there's the, uh, Jesus tells the, the parable of the wedding and inside the, the wedding feast, there was a man who was not dressed properly. And the, uh, the master of the, of the wedding, he says, throw the man outside. He doesn't belong in here. And that's how we should view ourselves. We need to be clothed with Christ if we're going to be able to serve him in this body and beyond. So make sure. Take off the old man. Make sure you've already done that. And, and then put on Christ. And that's something you have to do daily. We always have to be thinking, what does God want me to do right now? Okay. Last one we have in Colossians. Whoops. Hang on a second. Colossians 3.13, just four verses beyond the other one. 
bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever against anyone has a complaint, just as also the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Again, we've heard this message already, bearing one another. That's the uh, the Greek anekomai. It, again, it's a, it's a participle form, bearing with one another and forgiving each other. I think we need to just get a little bit of context there on this one. So if you want to turn to Colossians 3.13. Well, we'll start with 9. Do not lie to one another, since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices. And verse 10, have put on the new self, who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. A renewal in which there is no distinction between Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free man, but Christ is all and in all. So, as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Sounds like the fruit of the Spirit. And here we have verse 13. Bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. So there is our marching orders. We are supposed to be demonstrating the fruit of the Spirit. As he says, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. But then bearing with the other. Not just yourself, but bearing with what the other person is doing. If he has problems, if he has issues, to bear with him, with the other person, with one another, and forgiving each other. Sometimes it's hard to forgive. Sometimes we think we've been wronged and hurt so badly that it's unforgivable. I can't forgive that person. Well, you can. I'm saying you can. It may take some time, but as you pray and you understand what God's will is and what he has done for us, it becomes easy to forgive others for the things that uh, we perceive to be horrific against us. But, and it reminds us again, just as God forgave us, we are to forgive one another. All right, so then, let's look at what we got here. That's the last one I have to go through, so let's see what we've learned from tonight's, tonight's episode. This is episode five. Whoops. All right, so lessons we've learned from tonight's episode. Get that out of the way. One, we want to tolerate one another. That's, hang on a second. Tolerate one another. That was that first verse we looked at. Why isn't this... It's not moving. Tolerate one another. We always want to speak the truth to one another. I think this is fairly obvious. Speaking the truth to one another in love. 
We want to demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit, love, kindness, patience, all those from Galatians 5. But we also need to understand that we're going to be subject to one another. We should be thinking along that way, to be subject to one another. So when people ask you to help, you, you are willing to just jump right in, not, not waiting. We need to consider others more important than ourselves. You know, the world doesn't revolve around us. I mean, we have egos, yes, but at the same time, God is above us, and he has plans for us. We don't need to be uh, lording it over others, but we need to be considerate and consider one another more important than each one of us. Uh, again, do not lie to one another. The opposite of, or continuation of number two, we want to be speaking the truth, but speaking the truth in love. I mean, there's many, many problems, and, and we live in a culture today where people are very uh, impatient and not willing to listen, and especially if you uh, say things the wrong way. So be always prepared to say things challenging people in love. That's the goal. It's not to, to be uh, proving yourself better or more knowledgeable or anything like that, but it's to be showing the love of Christ and drawing them to him to help with their whatever issue they have. And last, bear with and forgiving one another. Uh, and, and we've seen this before. Uh, we need to be able to uh, help people with problems. Because everybody has problems. There's, there's nobody that can say that they don't have anything that they need help with. We all need to be ready to, to step up. We have a, a bathroom shortage. And we're going to be working to add bathrooms downstairs. And that's going to take a lot of work. And we need volunteers for that. That's a job that uh, no one person can do. And we need to be able to bear up with that problem. And I, I urge everyone to consider helping out in whatever way you can for that. All right. As we get ready to close, what we want to look at is the gift of God. For those of you who haven't come to Christ, if you don't know what it means to be saved, well, God has given us a gift. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Wages of sin is death. That's where we're all headed. We're all going to die physically one day. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Ephesians 2.8.9 says, this is the, the answer to the problem, that we're going to die and we're going to be separated from God. But thanks God to God for Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith. Our faith is what saves us, not, nothing else. And that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Faith in what God has done for you, for me, is what saves you from the penalty of sin. Because the penalty of sin is eternal separation from God in a lake of fire. That's not what, what God wants. That's not what any of us want. So 
If you haven't made that decision to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, do it today. Do it right now. The Philippian jailer asked the Apostle Paul, what must I do to be saved? And the answer was quick and and firm. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. If you believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins on the cross and that he rose from the dead, if you believe that, you have eternal life. And that can't be taken away from you. That cannot be taken. You're in Christ's hands. He's controlling everything at that point. And so you have eternal life. Now, after that, well, God expects growth. He expects maturity, just like with any newborn. Uh, You don't leave them in a nursery. You don't want them to be in the nursery for the next 80 years. You expect growth. And God has a plan for you. That's why he drew you to himself. The Bible tells us that, uh, and Jesus said when he was lifted up, he would draw all men to himself. And there's, that's true. We're all going to come to Christ either uh, worshiping him as our Savior or rejecting him and being cast away forever and forever. We don't want that. We want you to come to Christ and be saved. So please consider that, the message today, that there's a gift God has for you. If you haven't received it yet, it's, it's waiting for you. So please come to Christ, accept him, believe that he died for your sins and rose from the dead. All right. So that's it. Next time we're going to look at we're going to continue the study on Alelon and Thessalonians and Titus, and that will conclude uh, the use of this preposition by the Apostle Paul, as I said at the beginning. Uh, and one thing I wanted to say about forgiveness, it says, you know, bearing one another and forgiving. You know, when we think about forgiving one another, Jesus tells a great parable about the man who uh, the slave who owed his master a, a huge sum of money, something he could never repay. And when he pleaded, and, and uh, well, let's turn it. it it's, it's in Matthew chapter 18. The, I don't want to mess it up. <laughs> but Matthew 18, verse 21. Here we read in... Oops. Get the right chapter. Matthew eighteen twenty one. Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, how often shall my shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? I should have read this earlier, but how many times should I forgive him? Up to seven times. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to seventy seven times, or seventy times seven. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he had begun to settle them, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. But since he did not have the means to repay, his Lord commanded him to be sold along with his wife and children and all that he had and repayment be made. Very harsh. So the slave fell to the ground and prostrated himself before him, saying, Have patience with me and I will repay you everything. And the Lord of that slave felt compassion and released him and forgave him the debt. But that slave went out and found one of his fellow slaves that owed him a hundred denarii and seized him, which is a lot less sum than what he owed the, the Lord. And he seized him and began to choke him, saying, Pay back what you owe. So his fellow slave fell to the ground and began to plead with him, saying, Have patience with me and I will repay you. 
but he was unwilling and went and threw him in prison until he should pay back what was owed. So when his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were deeply grieved and came and reported to their Lord all that had happened. Then summoning him, his Lord said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have also have had mercy on your fellow slave in the same way that I had mercy on you? And his Lord moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he should repay all that was owed him. But here's how Jesus sums that up. My heavenly Father will also do the same to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. So be careful. Don't hold grudges. Forgive. Because God has forgiven us, we need to forgive one another, no matter what, because our penalty against one another is nowhere near what our penalty against God was in the sins we committed. So just a reminder there, and uh, as we go, go on next time, it will be episode 7. Uh, let's close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, once again we have uh, searched through your word, looking to find those things, those truths that we can apply in our lives to glorify you and to uh, love one another. Help us to continue to read, read your word, to apply it in our lives as we have opportunity, and to seek out those opportunities amongst your church family here at Preston so that we can demonstrate our love to each one by what uh, we've learned tonight. And, and we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all for coming. <laughs>